Welcome to Process. My name's Stephen Walsh. This week I'm talking to Luke Schumberland, the director of Seth's Dominion, a new documentary all about the Canadian cartoonist. Indeed. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for coming on, Luke. Uh, I'm, I'm quite excited to go back to a uh, Gush uh, bookstore. I, uh, I lived here in London 15 years and uh, uh, Gush was my pusher of comic book. I was going to the old store in front of the British Museum and I was buying way too much comic book. <laughs> well, I read an interview you did about reading comics and you said you lived in London for 15 years and you didn't like a lot of the American and English stuff that you were finding and then you stumbled across Seth and really enjoyed his work and it sort of opened up the world of comics again for you. And I was reading that thinking, I really hope the shop he went to was Gosh. And it was. And it was. So <laughs> this, is, this is perfect. It was. I, uh, I, I don't say I don't like the American or the uh, British comics. Uh, the, um, the sensibility of the American and comic comics are different. And it's not a sensibility that, that touched me all the time. But um, here uh, we have an incredible uh, uh, writer for comics, uh, Alan Moore. Okay, Alan Moore is an incredible writer of comics, and he's an incredible writer point. And reading Alan Moore comic, anything that Alan Moore was doing was always a incredible experience. Every time I remember uh, reading Van vendetta and coming back and reading again and coming back and reading i thought it was an incredible comic book so it's it's a different sensibility but i prefer i would prefer in in sensibility you know the european comics uh, uh you know more uh, french and belgium and then i would say british and then i would say after american but if you talk to me about harvey Kritzman, i'm just like overwhelmed with joy of reading everything that Harvey Kritzman did or there's some comics done by um, the very intense uh, Jack Kirby there's very interesting stuff that Jack Kirby did and Steve Dicto who's difficult to to control and to always approve and uh, but he goes from you know Spider-Man like the concept and the idea is like a, an epic legend it was very clever and then he goes to those uh, other stories where, you know, if you do one little thing wrong in your life, you'll pay dearly <laughs> forever and ever and ever. It's, it's fascinating. It's a uh, different sensibility. I, I, reading all these things, it's just that when I walk in your shop and I saw this book, it's a good life, you don't weaken. I was like, what is that? It's a brilliant title before anything yeah. else. What a wonderful title. Brilliant title. In French, we say... La vie est belle malgré tout. It's nearly exactly the same. And right. it's translated in French by this sentence. La vie est belle malgré tout. Meaning that it's not a good life in a weekend. It's not like whatever. If you sum things up in your life, overall, it's a wonderful life. Right. That's, that's taking everything on balance. Yeah, exactly. Working your favor. Right. So, yeah. uh, so that title speak to me. It was like, I saw that. I and mean, I started to open the book. I look at the drawings and it's very graphic. And I was like, wow. And then I just like, I just spend my money. And then I start to read a book and it was a bit like an Alan Moore experience, but a little bit deeper for me. I was reading it. And I was like, oh my God, this story of him looking for comic artists. And I did something similar when, because uh, the story of a good life you don't weaken, Seth himself is looking for Kalo, a comic artist who was Canadian, who did some comic strip uh, in, in New York was published in the New Yorker and some other comics. And he tried to find back this guy to talk to him because he finds his style is similar. 
when I was reading uh, Le Journal Spirou, the Spirou magazine of French Belgium, when I, I grew up, I was in love with all these artists. And I wrote to them when I finished art school. And I say, I'm coming to Belgium. Uh, is it possible to have a short meeting with you? I'll bring my comics, you know, blah, blah, blah. Every single one of them answer back, yes. And then I met all my heroes. And it, it, reading that book was like reliving this experience of meeting my hero. And he was trying to find him because it was a, a kind of a, uh, a sleuth story where you find to have clues to where the comic artist could be hiding somewhere in Canada. Or is he in New York or is he back to Canada? And so there's it, a, a, a very light detective story mixed with finding somebody who's, uh, that you admire in the style of drawings. And a biographical element as well, which uh, was fascinating, and particularly when you sort of read around the book, and it's a, a fictionalised biographical element, isn't it? It's a thing where, you know, he is a storyteller, and yes. he, like all great storytellers, wants to tell the best story. Indeed, it's, it's very clever. It's a true story, <laughs> in a very fictionalised way, and then at one point you, you wonder, is it true? what's true and what's invented in the story but it's not important anymore yeah. the story itself is more important though about instead of what is true and what is not true i had a similar experience reading the great northern brotherhood of canadian cartoonists yes. where he does a, a beautiful job of weaving together actual canadian cartoonists and their wonderful creations and then these other guys who never existed and their work never existed but just blends the two together so well with this sort of wonderful fictional conceit of this incredible, incredibly impressive structure, the building itself with trees growing inside and oh, know, yes. this, the space they have and so so opulent and luxurious. And at that point you're like, well, obviously this isn't all true <laughs> because that building could not exist. And you want that club to exist. Absolutely. You want to go to visit that yeah. club and go to that huge room with a giant tree inside with all the comfy chair. And having a little, I don't know, a glass of port and relax and reading a book. But this, uh, this book is, is a good example of set taking fiction and reality and mixing it completely. And then you get confused. The only thing at the end is just like the greatest nation in the world who did the greatest amount of comic books in the world is Canada. I didn't know that. Um, so to go back to your film, before yes. we uh, get into to Seth and, and the, the film show, just to um, outline what it's about, and also to mention it's just won the award recently, of course. Yes, I'm, I'm very fortunate right now. Uh, there's a, a buzz with the film Seth's Dominion, who is exploring the world of Seth. And Seth does a lot of different things besides doing his comics. He does illustration. He does sketchbook work for his own personal point of view. He does a personal diary. That is, there's about a dozen of books now. It's about thick like this. You know, I'm just open my hand to the, the, the whiteness uh, uh, wider than my elbow. It's really thick of lots of, a dozen of books, a diary that said did and never been published. And he's, he's building a, a city called Dominion. He has map of the city. He has illustration of the city. He has project of graphic novel related to the city. And he has all those buildings. And there's about nearly a hundred buildings now that he's building slowly. All that is, I wanted to give the scope of all the things that Seth was doing. And I was lucky Seth gave me a carte blanche. 
to explore his, his diary and explore the city, illustration, and so on. So I go, f the, the film is a mix of documentary, a puppet theater play that we did for the film, and animation of his various uh, diary entry that I picked up that was related to the, to the film I was trying to construct. So it's an hybrid film, very difficult to, uh, to, to pinpoint. And at the uh, Ottawa International Animation Film Festival, it won the grand prize. I'm extremely fortunate and very happy. I woven the story and the atmosphere of the film very delicately because Seth basically is sitting in his basement working and I'm interviewing him. So that could be a boring film. A guy sitting in the basement drawing. We go in his universe. We go in his mind. We discover his past story, his diary entry. We discover his, his puppet play about a very famous cartoonist, Albert Batch and another cartoonist, somebody different, and we discover the city of Dominion with all the building he builds, and so on. So it goes to, it's a multi-layer film, and I think it really pleased the, um, the judge at the uh, Ottawa uh, International Animation Film Festival, and they gave me the grand prize. I really agree with them. I think it's a fantastic <laughs> film. Comic creators have been the subject of other films, other documentaries. Yes. Um, Crumb, uh, probably Crumb. the most famous example. American Splendor, which yes. has all the, the sort of affectations of a, of, a, of a feature film, but is obviously biographical. Um, and obviously you're aware of those. But your film is, is very different tonally and in, in style. How, how deliberate was that to move away from, from what had been done before? It was extremely deliberate. When I saw Crumb and American Splendor, I thought it was the two... They're, they're very different, very completely different. And, uh, and Crumb is a documentary, uh, a very extremely well done strong documentary about crumb and how he survived his family that's basically it american splendor is an exploration of this fantastic writer of comics of how he struggled to make sense of working in a in a small little job that doesn't bring too much pleasure to him and then he starts to talk about his life and then life becomes interesting because he doesn't in comics and his life is not boring anymore and those two films are really wonderful. I had to do my film minimum at the same level as these two films. I had no choice because I knew any film about comic book artists will be compared to American Splendor or Crumb. And I had to be at least at this level. But I think going to all the multi-layer and so on, I'm making it separate, different, and at least, I hope, I mean, I got the grand prize, maybe, at the same level as those two masterpieces. In terms of the production of the film, yes, it was over eight years, but obviously you're not living with Seth for eight years. Maybe you feel that when you see the film, you might feel that I was living with Seth for eight years, but it's not the case. Uh, for, uh, I would say, I would see, we talk regularly on the internet and we, uh, we spoke on the phone uh, quite often, but basically I will come and see Seth once a year for a long weekend. And then I'll be filming him for a long weekend. Luckily, we get along. We, I mean, my sensibility of comics and his sensibility are similar. So I think it's why he was interested to work with me. And I think the aspect of doing the animation uh, excited him. So for seven years, because the last year I didn't film anything, I, I, I finished the animation. For seven years, so once a year, I will come to his house and I will film him. Uh, and we'll have questions and answer and exploring his material. There was an exhibit uh, as well of his City of Dominion that we, we went to uh, show the exhibit. We went to New York as well. Uh, that's another story. He went to New York, make a conference. So I went to New York and, and uh, 
following during the conference. And then when it was finished, uh, after the seven years, I didn't need to do more footage of him filming him. I just uh, concentrate on finishing the animation that I was doing slowly every year. So you have to realize I'm a full-time film director doing mostly commercial. I was, that was my job in, in, uh, in London. I was directing commercial in various uh, companies in London. I went back to Canada, and that's what I do. I direct pilot for TV show, and I direct commercials. And on my spare time, I was working on the film. That's what I was doing. So it took eight years, but the film, if I had a full budget, I would have done it in just in one year, easily. It was just uh, the circumstances made it complicated to do. The film board in Canada has uh, limited resources, so I find a way of doing the film. Basically, with the smallest budget ev that you can't imagine, I just stretched that elastic band to the maximum, and it looked like an elaborate, very expensive film. Is it possible that the, the restrictions in terms of the filming help the film in a way, in that, as you say, you could have done it in a year, but by revisiting over such a, a, a long span of time, you're building up intimacy with the artist, you're seeing a greater range of work, so it sort of it gives you more scope to work with in terms of the film. There is a blessing in disguise in the in the fact that it was a bit too long. So it was tiring for set because it was never getting finished. And uh, but at the same time, I was able to do things that with the budget I had, I was not possible to do that I managed to do because of the time I had more time. So any production, if you want to do a lot of things, you need uh, quickly you need more money. But if you don't have the money. But you're ambitious and naive, like I am. You stretch the time, and then you are able to do more things than you were supposed to do in a normal production if the budget is that small. So I, I cheated as much as I could with all the film trick I can use to augment the quality of the, the narration and the emotion uh, with the limitation I had. And of course, another time-consuming aspect of filmmaking is animation, which is very meticulous work. The animation in the film is spot-on. Did you feel a, a particular sense of duty, perhaps, in that you're you're taking existing visual images and, and adapting them for an, a, a animation rather than creating fresh images yourself? Absolutely. Um, I have to call London like the greatest school I ever had. I was getting paid properly and quite nicely actually to direct commercial and every commercial was done in different different style and every time I have to be a chameleon and doing it in that different style sometimes we had an art director who was coming an illustrator or uh, somebody who was uh, specifically hired to do the art direction of that commercial and then I will direct the commercial but we have to do exactly his style so I'm Thanks to London commercial world, I learned to adapt to all kinds of different styles. So when I saw the drawings of Seth, uh, I had a more sense, uh, I have more sensibility about his drawing. Uh, I like the graphic style of it, but it was a, a very big responsibility of being true to his style of drawing. And this is something that sometimes I see too many times with other projects where the actual way it's done, it's not true to the actual drawing. And this is something I really didn't want to do. I wanted to do it really true to the actual style of drawing of set and put all the aspect of it and make it 100%, no, 110% set. And of course, the material for the animations is drawn from 
his personal diaries and sketchbooks, which have never been in the public domain before. So again, the way the information is presented is beautiful, but it's tremendous material to have access to. It's exceptional. And I'm always going to be grateful the rest of my life, and I won't be able to thank enough set of all the confidence you give me. Really, it's really exceptional. And all these materials were not published. We choose, you know, uh, he offered me quite a lot, a big range, and I choose the one I think it would pace better, the uh, exploration of his world. Anybody who's doing a film, I think, don't want to deserve the subject. And I felt an, an enormous responsibility of this artist is such at a high level. I needed to be, I have no choice. I have to be at that level or just forget it. It's not, it's going to be a farce and then people will just discard the film. I couldn't work lower, at a lower level. I needed to be at that high level. It, there was no animation finish until I was satisfied to be at that level. Because of course, you know, Seth will then see it and that's the ultimate judge, I suppose, isn't it? You know, he, you don't want to disappoint your <laughs> your uh, your subject, and uh, this was that was very 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 nervous. Set so the film unfinished. He haven't seen the film yet, uh, but he's very thrilled that he got the grand prize. But uh, he saw a uh, working copy, so basically the film was a little bit longer, missing images and missing animation. But he saw the pace and he knew what I was doing the and the, the shape of things. And there was no music, so it was a bit of a raw version of the film. Seth watched it, and then he wrote to me this really long email explaining that basically he was expecting to be depressed and just shock and then don't know what to do for the rest of the... Then being stopped of working for a month it would be catastrophic. But he was absolutely super excited and he couldn't wait to go back to the drawing board because it was like giving him more momentum to do his own work. So I was extremely pleased of this response because he was afraid it was going to slow him down and being too, too self-conscious. And be, no, it was like I managed, I think, to talk about his sensibility and making uh, as well a film about memory and the memory of all of us. We all have memories that we don't notice that the baggage getting bigger all the time. And the past, as Steinbeck said, the past uh, never leave. It's never past. It's always there with us. They're just more and more of it. It would be very easy just to do a straightforward presentation of how he works and how he lives. Yes. But the fact that it's an exploration makes it so much richer as a film. And it does, you know, across the film, become a very personal piece about Seth. And he does reveal a lot about his past and his feelings about you know his parents he just talks so naturally about these things and it does reveal so much about the work in a way that as i say is is very natural but so such depth to it as well it's very atmospheric i try to do something very atmospheric very uh, and and something that you don't realize but i bring I, i'm bringing you to this realm that realm the dominion of set i bring you slowly in that realm and then suddenly you're in it, you don't realize it, and it's finished. And I say, thank you to have listened. Go back to your marvelous life. And it's and the film wants to be a celebration of life as well, because we all have a life, and we're all living our life. And Seth explained how he, he took the decision to do certain things a certain way to get the things he wanted. And um, 
and he's it's a bit of a a good example i think for anybody who's going through their life and questioning things they want to do we learn a lot about his mother and his father that they are important in his life and they it's thanks to them that we have this artist at the start of the film there's a, a lovely sequence where he talks about a typical day and the structure that he has yes. and he, you can't look at his work and not appreciate this is someone who's disciplined there's no accident when you do a comic books or any piece of art i would say a sculpting or writing a play writing a film play writing a book writing doing comic books and and uh, all kind of art you know sculpting wood and uh, it is you sit down and you do the work thinking about it won't make it happen and that's exactly what set shows us I have been told I work too much. I would work an average of 60 hours a week. You know, I like my work. I do films and I do animation and I do the drawings. And I do the live action actors and, you know, all that. And to make it good, you need to work more than 40 hours a week. I met my match. I met Seth and he's working more than 60 hours a week in his basement. Disciplined like nobody could be disciplined. Seth will not do a bad comics he wants not a bad drawing he wants to do always with energy and passion and uh, and i want to do every piece of film with energy people come and sit down for an hour and a half to look at a film they give you their time so you have to do something that is rewarding for anybody at the cinema to sit down so it was very important for me that the film is a rewarding experience for anybody to come at the cinema and they will hopefully be touched by it and want to do more in their own life and, and in an happy way, a fun way. Another aspect of his work that comes through and is very seems very important in terms of the art he produces is that he makes things purely for himself. It does seem very important to him that the work he's doing that's designed for publication is a very specific thing. Yes. But then he's got this freedom where he's like, I can do anything I want here, but it can't help but inform the work. As you say you know, the city of Dominion that gives your film the title is a remarkable project to sort of build these scale models of a town. But it's not just a case of, you know, there's a, a wonderful sequence again where Chester Brown talks about Seth doing paintings. And he's like, then he'll make a frame for the paintings. Yes. And he makes these boxes. And he, he seems fascinated. And he, he's like, why am I not doing this? And it, it does seem to be a, a, a drive that he has, but also something that complements the other work like, as i say the city of dominion is this this idea that he's he's built and literally built but also literally built indeed it has started to inform the work where you've had pieces like george sprott that are yes. set within the city of dominion indeed the the club of the canadian are comic book artists is in dominion as well and the city of dominion is nourishing him as a side project it's on the side and it's it's important and it's very clever way of doing the work. He's exploring something and with the exploration, he discovered things. Oh, I want to talk about this then. Then he's going to talk about that. And, and the film, the, I just scratched the tip of the iceberg. There's so much material. I can do a miniseries of 12 hours and you will not be bored. It's just like there's so much material. So my film is very dense because of that. And there's so much material I went through. In terms of scratching the surface, there's, a, again, a lovely moment where Seth casually mentions 
talking about the city of Dominion, he's like, I've estimated that there's 300,000 people living there. So I've got plenty of material and stories to write. Like, you know, once uh, once he's determined there's 300,000 300, people, if he's presented with a blank piece of paper, it's never going to be a case of what am I going to write about? He's like, well, what, what's this building in Dominion? It's just, is it an apartment? Is it the fire station? Who's in there? What are they up to? It seems like a wonderful tool to have. Creative people sometimes work memory palaces. And yes. he's almost created these story palaces where he can just sort of walk in meet a new group of people mm -hmm. and present their story to us. It's not how many uh, say, oh, may I write that story or may I tell that story or may I do that? It's, will I have the time to tell all the story I want to tell? That's why he's working so hard. He's looking at the clock and saying, my God, I just turned 50. There's not much time left. I wasted all that time. I have to do all those stories. There's so much material I have to draw and publish. He's very scared. He's, he's going to miss things. There's so much material. So now he's going on and on and on. And he's working very, very hard. He, you know, his, his discipline, he's not answering the phone. He's not answering the phone only at 4.30. Uh, uh, and he will answer the phone. And usually he notices his wife calling. And, and that's about it. And email, uh, you know, it's always a short answer. Because the time he spent on the phone and uh, on the internet is not on the drawing table where he produced the work that we all love to read and and uh, and have in our hand and that's part of the structure again isn't it as i say his, his sort of regimented approach to a day where between this hour and this hour i'm doing this between this hour, and he says as you say like 4 30 answer the phone do some emails yeah. but before and after that no no time he's too busy producing too much work and it's a wonderful attitude to have isn't it just it's, really inspirational it's very refreshing to see somebody who who don't have a deadline or I need to finish this because this uh, film is coming out at that date. I need to finish this because there's this other book and then, and there's this other book and then this other, there's so many stories he's piling up. He's worried he won't be able to do all of them. He's extremely healthy and he's just 50. So he's a young man. He can carry on for a very long time. And, you know, I, I, I had access to some of his, uh, other notebooks where you see other books that are not published that were done already in sketch manner. And it's just like, there's so much material. It's incredible. The sheer discipline and the drive of wanting to do all that work is unmirable. And uh, I, I was, I was really, I wanted to bring that across as well in the film. I wanted to ask about the puppetry sequence yes. in particular. Was, is that something, is that an ongoing project for him? Is that something that he, does he create the puppets himself or was it something that you worked with him to create the sequence for the film? So we, one of the dream of set was to actually do a puppet play about a comic artist, Albert Batch. He wanted to do that. And then I said, why not doing it for the film? And he says, oh, okay. So he worked on it and he worked really hard and he wrote the script and then we filmed the whole puppet play. Actually, the puppet play lasts a little bit more than half an hour. It's 40 minutes. So it's, uh, it's quite lovely. It's, uh, I love it. It's very in the same tone as set. And uh, we, I took some part of the play to make parallel between set's world and Albert Batch world. If everything goes all right, you will get a fantastic DVD in a year and a half from now with a fantastic extra of the puppet play. The whole of it. Uh, the 40 minutes of the puppet play from start to finish. Available. So uh, it's done, it's cut, it's waiting for uh, a little uh, tender loving care with the mix of music and then we're just going to put it on the uh, extra on the DVD. And interesting that 
rather than the film getting in the way of him producing, there it spurred him on to produce something, didn't it? So you, the film itself inspired him to create another project, which must be it, very you know inspirational for you. It wasn't very inspirational for me, and it was a. I just it was a bit of a joke when he said, "Oh, I would love to do a puppet theater play." And then in my head, wanted to make a film so different. I said, "I would love to have a puppet theater play about Albert Bash. That'll be great." And then he said, and then I just answered to said, "If you do it, I'll film it, and it's going to be in the film." And then said, "Oh, I better do it then." <laughs> so yeah, the, the the collaboration was fantastic. I was very lucky. He was very patient with me, and uh, you know, some aspect in the film, I ask some specific drawing sometimes, like uh, the uh, Dominion News reel. In in the film, there's a Dominion News reel. It's a bit of a surprise, but for the opening of the Dominion News reel, I wanted a drawing, and I didn't want to invent the drawing myself. So I just phoned him, and before the day was finished, he sent me a drawing of uh, a rough drawing, and then I just you know embellish it and and made the title sequence for the Dominion News. But for what's in the Dominion News, you'll have to see the film. <laughs> Luke, thanks for joining us. Steve, it was absolutely exciting. Thank you to take the time to uh, interview me. No problem at all. I'll be keeping people updated on the progress of the film and opportunities to see it in London and elsewhere. Thank you very much, Steve. Process is part of the Holdfast Network. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other podcasts you might enjoy.